Welcome back to the Preparing to Plant podcast. My name is Mitchell Slater. I know it's been a few weeks since we've had our last episode, so it's good to be back uh, talking with you guys. Um, again, this is a podcast, uh, Preparing to Plant, um, just a way for us to kind of recalibrate, reorient our focus as we're preparing to plant this new church on the other side of town here in Maryville, Tennessee, called River Oaks Clover Hill. My name is Mitchell Slater. I'm privileged to uh, be the pastor of this upcoming new fellowship. And during this podcast, we have just been walking through Paul's final letter, the letter of 2 Timothy. And today we come to just a wonderful passage. I love this passage. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. So let me read it for us, and then we'll just jump right into it. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. 13. Paul wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So this is a seemingly simple call, but it's profound. It's a call to remember. Uh, one of our elders that's going to Clover Hill, Jeff Berquist, um, he's always telling us as elders, remember, 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 right? Because it's so easy for us to forget, right? Just like you read the Old Testament, and it consistently says the people of Israel forgot the Lord. They forgot all that the Lord had done for them. That's because we so quickly, so easily have gospel amnesia, right? We are so quick to forget what God has done for us in Christ. This is an important uh, call for us as a new church that we need to remember. And specifically, what does Paul say? He says, remember Jesus Christ. What better thing, what better person, what better glory is there to remember than Jesus himself? This is why we often use words like gospel-centered or Christ-centered. Centered because we as a church, we as individual Christians, we as a leadership, we want to be focused on the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to, as Paul says here, remember Jesus. But Paul gets specific. There are things that we need to remember very specifically about Jesus. He says, Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Right? First of all, he he died, right? There was a death to be risen from. We are to remember his death, his cross, his atoning sacrifice. But he is Jesus, risen from the dead. He's resurrected. And that's the gospel. If you go into 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this is the matter of first importance. This is the gospel in which we stand, in which we are being saved. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Paul, in his very last letter, one of the last things he writes to his protege, Timothy, 
says, remember the gospel. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And he says, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel. So he's the offspring of David. Number one, that means he's both God and man. Right? That means that he is fully God and fully man. He is the son of God, and yet he is the seed and the offspring of David. But it also means he's the king. Right? In 2 Samuel 7, David was promised an eternal dynasty that rested on an eternal king. One of his sons would always sit on the throne, and that is the Lord Jesus. He is the king of kings and lord of lords who will reign on the throne of David forever. So remember that Jesus is king. And he says it's preached in my gospel. That's so great. We don't need to talk about it as just the gospel, but my gospel. That we have so appropriated and personalized the gospel that we know it's mine. It's mine. It's a gift that God has given me. It's my gospel. But this gospel would be particularly encouraging for Paul. Because he's in prison. That's what he talks about next. He's in jail. He's locked up. And Jesus, his Savior, his Lord, his King, has been raised from the dead. He is the offspring of David. He is the true King. That's encouragement when we suffer for the gospel. So this is what Paul says. He says, As preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, Bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Isn't that so good? Paul is locked up, but the gospel isn't locked up. Paul is in chains, but the gospel isn't in chains. Paul is bound, but the word of God is not bound. This is our only hope as a church plant. The only measure of success is the Great Commission. And the only way that can work is if the word of God by the Spirit of God, powerfully works in the hearts of men. That's it. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God does not return to him void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which he sends it. So the Word of God isn't bound. Right? We can't affect any kind of change, any kind of results as a new church. That shouldn't be our focus at all. We just want to unleash the Word of God and let it do its work. That's it. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, You received the message not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work among you believers. It's not the word of men. It's the word of God, and it's at work among us. The word of God is not chained. But then Paul goes on. He says, Therefore, in verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, this is fascinating because Paul, he uses that term elect. Oh, and I know that um, for some people that word uh, can can, uh, be very confusing. It can raise some red flags. It's a biblical word. We should love it. That's one of the descriptions of God's people in the Bible. They are the elect. They are the chosen ones, the ones chosen by God. And what's often said is if we emphasize the sovereignty of God and salvation, if we emphasize God's choice to save sinners, then why would we even evangelize? 
Why would we send missionaries? Why would we share the gospel? Right? If God's going to save, who he's going to save? But that wasn't Paul's attitude at all. No, he says, yes, there is the elect out there, God's chosen people. He said, and therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may obtain eternal glory. Paul has been traveling the entire known world, the whole Roman Empire, to share the gospel. He's now in jail for it. He is enduring everything for the sake of the elect. Because, see, again, this goes back to a deep encouragement for us, as it was for Paul. The results don't depend on us. We can't save anyone. We cannot convert a single human soul. We don't have the power to do that. Again, the Word of God is not bound, and it will do its work. Yes, God has his elect people. And so we can go out and share the gospel with confidence, with confidence, because we know God will save whom he will save. And that's glorious. I was just reading Acts 18 a few days ago where Paul is in Corinth, and he's discouraged. He's been suffering. He's been um, threatened for preaching the gospel. And he's about to give up. And the Lord Jesus speaks to him directly and says, keep preaching, stay, keep ministering in this city because I have many people here. He says, I still have many people in this city, right? They haven't come to salvation yet, but I have my people here. It's the same for us. There are many people in our city, in Maryville, in Blount County, that haven't yet come to Christ, and they are among the elect. So that doesn't mean we sit around on our couches and do nothing. No, it means we go and share the gospel with them. God has ordained the ends and the means. He has ordained who will be saved and how they will be saved through gospel preaching. So the sovereignty of God empowers our evangelism. But then finally, Paul, he gives us one of his trustworthy sayings, and it is so good. And he's really showing that the pattern of the gospel will be the pattern of our lives. In verse 11, he says, The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So it starts off, there's a clear pattern here. There's an if-then pattern. Right? If we die with Christ, we will live with him. Again, his death and resurrection is the pattern for our lives. If we endure with him, that is, if we endure suffering with him, one day we will also reign with him. Again, just as he suffered and then was enthroned as king, his pattern becomes our pattern. And then there's a warning. Those are promises, those first two. But then there's a warning. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Again, an if-then pattern. But then he breaks the pattern, doesn't he? He breaks the pattern in verse 13, and it's so good, because this is how the gospel breaks in and breaks these patterns. Right? If we deny him, he also will deny us, okay. But if we are faithless, and you would expect him to say, he'll be faithless to us, right? If we are faithless to him, he'll be faithless to us. That's not what he says. He says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I think we can see this 
pretty clearly if we compare Peter and Judas. They both denied Christ. Peter sold our Lord, or sorry, Judas sold our Lord for just a few silver coins. Peter denied our Lord three times. Right? On Good Friday, on that following Saturday, they both looked like they did a pretty terrible job of being followers of Jesus. Right? But what happened ultimately? Well, Judas denied him. And so he was denied, as this passage says. He fully denied him, completely rejected him, and he took his own life. But Peter, though he had failed, what happened? You remember he was on the boat, and they saw Jesus on the shore, and they said, it is the Lord, and Peter jumps in the water to get to Jesus. Right? Judas was getting away from Jesus. Peter had to get to Jesus. He didn't fully deny him. He was faithless, and Jesus remained faithful to him. And when we are faithless, right, which is all the time, I feel it in myself. Every day, I feel like I am faithless. Every night when my head hits the pillow, I feel like I lived a faithless day. But I'm still clinging to Christ. And even though you feel faithless, if you're still clinging to Christ, that promise is for you. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And on that last line, he he cannot deny himself. It's so good, right? It's not that he can't deny us. He can't deny himself, his own character. Listen to how Charles Spurgeon put this. I absolutely love this quote. Spurgeon said, I tell you, if Jesus were to shut you out, dear soul, whoever you may be, if you go to him, he would deny himself. He never did deny himself yet. Whenever a sinner comes to him, he becomes his savior. Whenever he meets a sick soul, he acts as his physician. If you go to him, you will find him at home and on the lookout for you. He will be more glad to receive you than you will be to be received. I tell you again that he cannot reject you. That would be to alter his whole character and unchrist himself. To spurn a coming sinner would un-Jesus him and make him to be somebody else and not himself any longer. He cannot deny himself. Go and try him. Go and try him. Well, I think we can end right there. It's so good. But this is the gospel that we need to remember. This is why we're planting a new church, because we want this message to go far and wide. We want more and more people to hear of this God, of when we are faithless, he remains faithful. We want to remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. So, next time we'll just keep plugging our way through 2 Timothy. But until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.